Hello, and my name is uh, Mudhani, Mudhani Garland, and I'm with Story Moja. Hi guys, my name is Wanjan Jama, and I am the author of Bejeweled Africa. On today's podcast, we speak with Wanjan Jama, a rising young talent, a lovely young lady. If you'd like to participate in this discussion, follow up, you know, show us some love. The social media handles are Facebook at Story Moja, Twitter at Story Moja, Instagram Guess what? At Story Moja. Uh, please like and follow us uh, online. We'll appreciate that. You can also visit our website, by the way, which is uh, storymojaafrica.co.ke. Wanja, Bejeweled Africa. Yeah. How did we come about? How did you come up with such an enticing uh, title? So three years ago, I wanted to create a title for my book that would counteract the negative perception that most countries abroad like Sea of Africa. And because... I wanted something that, I guess, portrayed Africa's beauty, development, and abundance of resources. I wanted my title to kind of have a positive ring to it, and that is why I chose Bejeweled Africa. I love the title. Thank I really you. do. Tell me, what are some of those negative stereotypes of Africa that, you know, that were really clearly making you really upset and you felt you had to challenge people to change their thinking? You know, like how people think that we just live in huts or like we have lions in our backyards and they only constantly see in movies like the poverty aspects. I mean, and it's not to say that there isn't those places in Africa, you know, but then I want to like show a different side of what people see. Okay. Yeah. You seem incredibly wise for someone who looks so young. <laughs> how old were you when you wrote this? 2014. So I was 15, I think. Yeah. You're 15. Yeah. I think Africa is in good hands if 15-year-olds are engaging with these issues. Let's talk a little bit about the stories themselves, what you've written in Bejeweled Africa, because it is a collection of stories, four stories, four really powerful short stories. They pack a great punch. Tell me about the stories. First, let's start with why stories as opposed to, say, a novel or, you know, one long piece, a novella. I felt that I could do more with short stories and because I wanted to write it for children because it's harder, especially when you're trying to like change people's mindsets, it's harder to like get at them when they're older and they've already established how they see the world. But with children, you can easily like kind of like shape that. So it would be easier to do with short stories because I could now like write different narratives for different like situations that I wanted to portray. Yes, I think short stories, you know, you show different angles, um, you tackle the issues in different ways. So let's talk about the individual stories and um, and the point, I, I suppose, what was your approach to the four different stories? Tell us a little bit. Let's start with maybe the first one, The Princess of Mageso. Yeah. Yes. So when like this book was conceived, it was actually like a... It wasn't like something, I mean, it was something that I kind of wanted to do initially, but it was also like a school project kind of. And so I was, I wanted to write a book that that, for that I was sure of, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to write about. And so my like friend suggested to me, why don't you write about an African princess? And and like, I don't think she thought I was going to be serious about it or anything, but I actually like was very interested in that idea because there aren't a lot of African princesses, or at least even if they are like you know we don't know about them especially in history and stuff like that so I wanted that's why I felt compelled to write The Princess of Magasso and I wanted to show a strong independent woman yeah yeah she's certainly strong she's certainly um, somebody who speaks her mind and is clear about what she wants and I like also that uh, she's realistic in terms of um, engaging with the the good guy if you like in Mm. in the story um 
My question, though, is about the concept of princess. Mm. Is the concept of princess African? I'm pretty sure it is. Like mm. we did have monarchs and we did have we did have royalties, mm-hmm. and we see that with like Queen Amin Aminarenes. I think I think she's from. Z- I don't remember which part of Africa she's from, but there's so many like African warrior queens and so many um, strong independent women. Like that history has been hidden from us right. for a long time. So it's interesting because I think as a writer, um, mm. sometimes you know you will write and then. When people ask you questions about it, you probably come back and you think, gosh, had I thought about yeah. that, you know, when I was writing it or did I just write the story yeah. as it came to my my brain? But I'm sure even you reading it after you've written the insights that you've picked up mm. about the way that you think about certain subjects that perhaps you're not aware, aware yeah. of, conscious of when you were writing. So you bring up a lot of, you know, really interesting, I think, deep points in in, in this Um you know, it looks like a really small, small book. It's got four stories, but I think the messages are quite complex and there's a lot that I think children can gain from reading this. Tell us about how the first city was made. Um, yeah, so this one I, was especially like, you know, like created to like come back that idea that African countries are, and like a lot of African societies aren't like developed and, you know, aren't up to par with like European standards or whatever. And even though we shouldn't hold ourselves to European standards because that is how the world is now, um, that's that's why I felt compelled to write this story. Um, and I just wanted to, like, take a spin on, like, the sh- on the folk chill stories that you'd read when you were younger about, like, how an animal made this, an animal went to the creator to do that. Yeah, so that's how that story came about. Yeah, this is probably my favorite story. Um, Me as well, in, in, in this, oh, I'm glad. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and one of the things that I really lo- uh, love about it is because oftentimes I I think that people confuse modernity with Western. You know, um, w- you know, they assume that anything that's modern um, belongs to the West, whereas in reality, human beings um, from the beginning of time have developed at different stages, and um, and they've adopted from each other. So there was a time, I think, that you really bring up in the story when Africans were far more developed than, you know, than other civilizations um, in the West. And and just as in those other civilizations that had different rates of development, I think, you know, that's what's happening in Africa and that we shouldn't look down on, on ourselves. So I really love the part of this story. But I also love something that you did that was really interesting is where you've treated it as a creation myth. So how monkey became man. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm giving away the <laughs> too much of it, but you have to everybody has to read mm. this story because I think it's it, you know, it really is um, a strong and interesting story. And the way that it's formatted, although it talks about a very modern, you know, modern thing, it's it's formatted as, you know, a, a very traditional, um, you know, African story creation myth. Mm. Yeah. So love it. Love Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about um, Roots of Africa. OK, so this is the last story that I added into Bejeweled Africa. And I just wanted it to kind of like detail like the continent's history um, emphasizing on the fact that like a lot of people don't know about the African civilizations that used to exist before and we just used to think that like oh Africa was like this I don't know savannah place maybe we we yeah. didn't like we don't have that gr- good grasp on our own history even as Africans and 
I just wanted to like have kids like when they read this book, like realize that, you know, colonizers just didn't just come and like give us everything that we have today. We also had it from before and we had all these civilizations and all these resources. And yeah. Yeah. And I think this this really conveys that um, the Boabab is my favorite tree. And I think using it as a vehicle to convey, you know, just the length of time, you know, from the beginning of time mm. till now, um, when Africa really has been central to the development of the world, I Thanks. think is is a really it's really powerful. So tell us about the last story in the collection, how the ocean got its colors. So this one, actually, I don't even remember how this one came about, but I think it was just like, I really like Cape Town and I really, like back in the day, or at least when when this book was written, I hadn't been to Cape Town and I was like dying to go see like the Cape of Good Hope and like how you can see the two colors of the oceans. So I just like made a story about that. Okay. Yeah. So a true creative, you know, yeah. inspired by, um, inspired by the surroundings. Mm-hmm. Just in, I mean, I, I really, I like the story and I think that when we, um, you, you know, it's a very African, again, a traditional mm. African format to explain how things came about um, by creating little stories that, yeah. uh, that you know, give, you know, I suppose, give a scenario, mm. offer a scenario that says this might be how we ended up with two colors in an ocean, yeah. etc. And I, I really like that. I have a question, really, which is about um, your your eloquent, you know, you're very articulate. Tell us about yeah. your education, a little bit about your background. Okay, so I, I was born and raised in Nairobi. Um, I went to Kianda School, I guess for primary school or whatever, and then I went to the Aga Khan Academy in Parklands. And after that, for my last years of high school, I went to the African Leadership Academy in South Africa, and then I went to university. I'm oh, going to second brilliant. year now. Okay. Where are you at university, if you want um, to share that? I'm at Northeastern. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Who was your role model? Who got you into this sort of creative world? Who inspired you? I, I think my mom is like my role model. Like she does everything and she's just an amazing human being. She like sacrifices so much for like me and my sisters and, and my brother. Um, I don't know about who necessarily got me into the creative aspects. I guess she just used to like put, put us in a lot of activities and then I found my interest in like the arts and, you know, writing and I used to read a lot as well when I was younger so that mm-hmm. had a big influence what did you read um mostly like novels I really liked reading like African short stories as well mm-hmm. we had like these big like books that had like so many short stories and then we had like Tinga Tinga Tales as well and like that was like my main inspiration for Bijold Africa oh so. right fantastic all right Wanja tell us a little bit about your background how did you get into um uh, the African Leadership Academy. And and also, or maybe start by telling us, what are you currently studying? And then the journey to that. Okay, so I'm currently studying business administration with a concentration in marketing and entrepreneurship at Northeastern. And I guess I've always had a passion for like business and, and entrepreneurship. Even before like I went to ALA and everything, like, I used to do my own little, like, I don't even know what to call it. Like, I had all these, like, little entrepreneurial ventures that I used to have in school and stuff. And that, I guess, um, emphasized why I wanted to go to ALA, just to continue that entrepreneurial, like, learning. Yeah, when I found out about ALA, like, I was really interested in the fact that they had, like, an African studies course, like, for both your um for both your years at the academy. And I was really, again, int- interested in the entrepreneurial side of the institution as well. 
And so I applied. Um, one of my friends actually told me about the school and others that have probably stayed in Aga Khan if I didn't know about it. Okay, so you were lucky enough to be selected. And, and yeah. I understand you know, the selection process is really difficult and they take... Um, they consider thousands of applicants before they, they choose the few that they take every year. Yeah. So well done, you Thank know, you. well done for that. Um, the reason I highlight this or I, I, I like you to explore this is because I hear far too many young people telling me that um, it does not pay to be creative. Mm. It does not pay to be a writer or be involved in the creative mm. arts. And you're studying business. So mm. I'm wondering why are you writing? Mm. Why is it important to you to explore that side of yourself? And how do the creative arts or your interest in creativity help you in what you currently do study um i always think that like i'm not con like conventional in the sense that i'm not like the best in terms of like my academics i mean like like i do well and stuff in school but like i'm not that all consistent a student all the time and everything and i think with like the arts and stuff and like with bejeweled africa like that kind of shows that I, I have more, there's another side to me and stuff like that. So why is it important for you to explore the creative arts? Because I feel like that's where my heart lies. And it's so like, I don't know how to explain why I love art. It's just like... <laughs> You just yeah. love it. Okay. I'm not actually idea. asking you to justify yeah. it. It's just to say, how does it, um, how, how, what, what role does it play when you're studying entrepreneurship? Mm. Is there any link between art, you know, your love of the creative yeah. arts and your ability to do well in entrepreneurship or business studies? Um, I think there could be a link. I'm still trying to figure out where that, how that link, how I can bring those two together. Cause okay. I know that eventually like I want to help um artists in Kenya like create have um professional plat platforms to like develop their craft and everything and especially just because like as you said the arts isn't like a major thing in Africa you know like people look down on people look down on artists and they don't think that it's a viable career option and that's not true because you can't have architecture without art like you won't get into architectural school if you if, if you didn't do art before you know you need to have the, like your portfolios you need to have like evidence that you can actually like draw and you can see like how how to make buildings and yes a lot of people like tend to overlook that fact which yes. is why i want to merge the two together yeah somehow. and and just playing around you know playing along with what you're talking you know adding to what you're saying mm. i mean you can't really have an entrepreneur who is not creative mm. you've got to come up with ideas you've got to imagine them exactly. you've got to see opportunities where others are seeing nothing mm. you know you've got to come up with unique you know solutions to problems you know and if your mind is used to constantly thinking of new ways of doing things innovating um then you're in a better position i think to be an entrepreneur so mm. i see a really strong link between your creative side mm. and and i think the more you explore that creative side i actually think the better you will be in business or in entrepreneurship but I also love that um, that you know you're thinking about then investing in in developing creative businesses because yeah. there is money in art only for Africans sure. need to sign up for it yep. and they can start by reading Bejeweled Africa <laughs> by Wanja by my book guys Wanja Njama please celebrate young talent in Africa Wanja Njama thank you Hi guys, my name is Wanjan Jalma and I am the author of Bejeweled Africa. I shall be reading aloud one of the short stories and it is called How the First City Was Made. Very long ago, the world did not have people. The earth existed with only the creator and the animals. In the East African savannah, 
All the animals lived together in harmony. They fed on one another in the hierarchy of the food chain, but everyone was happy. One sunny day, Monkey was sitting on a rock near the watering hole. He looked at the horizon and thought, wouldn't the world be a better place if we had a chance for everyone to improve and develop the world? He thought about what the new world would be like. Maybe we could have buildings and places for us to eat that can be called restaurants, places for us to work and to document our history that can be known as museums. The following day, during the weekly Kamukunji, Monkey went to King Lion, the ruler of the savannah. During the meeting, he proposed his idea. Ha ha ha! That is the silliest idea I have ever heard. It would never work, King Lion roared. I agree. How would we be able to collect the materials required? We are, after all, just animals, Warthog the king. Yes! Warthog makes valid points. As animals, how would we be able to do it? As you can see, I have no arms or legs, so I wouldn't be able to help, Snake hissed. I'm afraid I also disagree, monkey. That idea is unwise, Zebra braid. Well, it is not a bad idea, but as others have said, how would we animals be able to build? Some of us are not physically capable. We may also ruin the beautiful savannah, bring about pollution, and kill ourselves, Tortoise exclaimed. I actually think it's a brilliant idea. All of us can find a way to improve ourselves and the world, Leopard said. Hmm. You will not spout any more ridiculous fantasies, monkey. I have commanded that if you talk about this idea any more, you shall be duly punished, King Lion declared. Fine, I won't. Even so... I'm going to visit the creator, and I believe that he will agree with me. He may have a plan on how to make my idea a reality. I will not give up, Monkey replied. So Monkey went to visit the creator at his house way up on the Great Mountain. It was a long hike to reach the peak of the mountain. For the first time, he set his eyes on the creator. The creator was everything anyone had ever imagined. He was very tall and had a large flowing beard. He wore a long tunic of many colors and brown sandals. He was facing the mountain's crater when Monkey approached him. Monkey! What have you come to talk to me about today? His voice boomed. Is there anything bothering you down there? Timidly, Monkey crept forward with reverence. Don't be afraid, Monkey. I won't bite, the creator said as he turned around with a smile on his face. He asked Monkey to sit down on the edge of the crater. What is it? The creator asked again. Well, my lord the creator, I want to build a city. It's going to be big and beautiful and we'll have many facilities to help the world. Some of us will have laboratories to find cures for all the diseases that make us sick, places where we can go and have fun, a place where we can go and worship you, and even a place where we can go and eat together, Monkey went on and on enthusiastically. The creator was very amused. However, when I brought up the idea of the Kamukunji, everyone laughed at me. They said the idea was foolish and would never work since we are just animals. However, I do think that it is possible. I came to you because I thought you would be able to help me. Well, I appreciate you coming to me. I agree that it is a very good idea and it will improve the world. However, I also agree with the other animals that it will be hard to do as an animal. Monkey was forlorn on hearing this. He believed that the creator could do anything. The creator looked at him with pity and said, I have an idea though. What I will do is turn you into a creature that will be able to accomplish this amazing feat. Monkey leapt forward with joy, almost tumbling into the crater. I will call the new creature Man. Man will have long, strong legs and arms and no tail. He will walk tall and he will walk proud, the creator continued. Also, since one man is equivalent to one monkey, I will create more men to help you build the city. 
I will also give you a wife so you can have many more children. Lastly, when the city is complete, I would like you to promise that everyone will continue to worship me and love me the way I have seen you do. Thank you so much, Creator. This means so much to me. I will work so hard to make the city beautiful. I promise that any children I will have will know you and they will love you, Monkey said excitedly, tears of happiness running down his face. So the Creator turned Monkey into man and gave him a large army of men to build the city. He gave the new man an axe and other materials to use when building. The Creator also bestowed the new man with a clever and beautiful woman. They lived happily as they continued building the city. A few years later, man looked back at his city that had been designed to perfection with the health of the Creator. He was very proud of his work. He named it Nairobi, meaning the cool place. He became the ruler of the city and gained a lot of wealth. Even so, in all the new glory, he never forgot the Creator and his kindness. He also never forgot where he had started, as a monkey with a big dream that everyone had disregarded. He would always teach his children to never give up, no matter what everyone else said. He taught them to be determined to get what they wanted. The end.